It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Maybe you feel like I do. I want to build bridges of trust strong enough to hold the weight of the truth with my friends who don't know Jesus yet. And that's Craig Cooper's story. Craig Cooper is a gifted storyteller, one of the founding pastors of Redeeming Grace Church in Franklin, Tennessee, and co-author of Glad You're Here, Two Unlikely Friends Breaking Bread and Fences. Glad You're Here is the story of Craig's friendship with Grammy-nominated country artist Walker Hayes, who was an atheist when they first met. But Craig's friendship with Walker created an on-ramp for Walker to jump into the ocean of God's grace. But first... God had to get a hold of Craig's heart. Craig, love to hear your story, your faith story, how Jesus found you. Mm. Yeah, so Perry, for me, I I grew up actually going to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. I was there when the doors were open. My, I grew up in a, in a, what I would call a God fearing family, and I'm so thankful for that. I was I was taught from an early age that there's a God in heaven that Jesus is the Son of God, that the Bible is the Word of God, and, you know, that that we should we should go to church, you know. And, and so here's the challenge for me is I was very, you can call it legalistic, you know. I just, I had gone the route of trying to be the quote-unquote good guy, you know. And so that was, that was my path, and what that led to was— great grades in school. I was 4.0 valedictorian, went the route of the senior class vice president and serving in different ways and all of that. But inside, I just was so lost. And mm-hmm. it took a few key things, and, and both were relational, where God began to show me my need for a Savior. And um, one of those was my identical twin brother. I've got an identical twin, hmm. and we grew up competing. And there was good competition, and then there was it, it got really bad. And by the time my senior year in high school, we had five major fights. And when I say major fights, it was, you know, th- these are not verbal. I mean, this this was, you know, me trying to run him over with the truck when he mm. had hit me in the face, you know, outside our little cul-de-sac and, you know, he clocked me and then I tried to run him over, run him over. And then we got out of the car and we just went to blows and it ended with, you know, thrown furniture and broken glass and, you know, just terrible in my face looking like I had been in the boxing ring with, Mike Tyson. And so I remember my older brother coming up and saying, you know, I got this, I got this, you know, to, to my mom, he hadn't seen us. He turned around the corner and he said, stop, you know, Craig, look at your face. And he stopped that fight. But I went and went into the restroom, looked in the mirror at my bloody and beaten up face. And then I went out into the woods, fell on my knees grabbed a hold of the dirt. And I think this may have been the first time I really, really prayed. And I just looked up into the heavens and said, God, please help us. We're going to kill each other. And 
that I think was one of the first little inklings and I had another relationship that wasn't going well. And, and, you know, went to college at university of Tennessee in Knoxville and I got invited to a campus ministry outreach, a little thing called volunteers for Christ. And it was an evening event, three night event. And I went that night, October 26th of 1995. And the gentleman who was sharing had printed out John chapter three, and he put it on everybody's, you know, sheet. Now we, we know John three, John three sixteen, and for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But the part above that is, is what the Lord really used is there's this whole section on a man named Nicodemus and his interaction with Jesus. And Nicodemus was kind of your good guy. You know, he was, he was a member of the Jewish ruling council and, you know, he would have been the guy that would have been well-respected in the, in the religious community and all of that. But as he starts talking with Jesus, Jesus gets right to the point and basically says to him, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. So, Craig, when you heard you must be born again, your heart was in the right place. How did that hit you? That whole concept kind of came at me like a train mm-hmm. and it arrested my attention. And, you know, I began as the man was was speaking and it was Perry. He said stuff that only the, the Lord could have just put in his mouth directly for me. Like for instance, he said, look, you can, you can get baptized. So, you know, fish by their first names, <laughs> that's not going to make you a Christian. Just like going to McDonald's will make you a hamburger. And he said, you can go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, that doesn't make you a Christian. You know, you could have a Bible on your bedside table. You know, that doesn't make you a Christian. You can, you know, say you're a Christian. That doesn't make you a Christian. You can be a valedictorian, and that doesn't make Christian. You have a 4.0 GPA. That doesn't make. He went off and basically shared all. He said you could be a leader in your youth group, which I was at the time, and that doesn't make you Christian. So, you know, he started to kind of dismantle and take away every leg, you know, of the stool that I was really trusting, which was my own righteousness. And through my relationship with my twin brother, where I began to see my, my own anger, my selfish ambition, my pride, my, you know, arrogance and all of that. And then a relationship with a girlfriend at the time that was not holy, those two things. And then what he was sharing, it made sense. Then the Holy Spirit just, just grabbed a hold of me and I wrote down on a little sheet of paper, nothing matters but where you stand with God. I don't know if he said that or if the Lord was speaking that way. And I just kept looking at that and going, I'm not born again. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. I'm not right with God. I've been born from above what he's saying. I don't, I don't have that life. And I just said, Lord, whatever, whatever it means, whatever, whatever it means, I want this please forgive me. And I confessed my sins while the guy was talking. And, and then I 
I trusted in Christ. And, you know, and the only explanation is I was born again as he was, as he was sharing and Mm. the weight of my sin was lifted off of my shoulders. And I felt the joy of the Lord, like I had never felt before. And then at the end of that meeting, there was a moment where you could respond. I, I came down, I remember speaking with a guy and he said, Hey champ, what's God doing in your heart? And I said, I just want to give my life to Jesus and I want to do what that man is doing. And I pointed to the gentleman who had just, in essence, led me to the Lord. And I was prayed for. And then my brother was there. He had come the night before and had come to faith in Christ the night before. And we embraced, we are best friends to this day. We married college roommates that we met through the campus ministry. And God just set me ablaze with a passion for the advancement of the gospel and the building of the church and, you know, what it really looks like to have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ and not just like a religiosity and, you know, hunger for the word of God came alive. I just started devouring the the scriptures and and everything changed. And I remember, Perry, I remember thinking, you might as well change my name. I'm such a different person. And and that's what God did in saving me. That was uh, when I was 18 as a college freshman. So Craig, tell us Walker's story. Yeah. You know, he came uh, to Nashville and he was here for about 17 years before the big break happened. And so he experienced a ton of heartache. And some people call this the heartache town. But, you know, for Walker, he had his dreams kind of shattered in, in different ways. I mean, when he, when he first came, you know, Nashville accepted him. He got a record deal and, you know, ended up getting signed on with, with Capitol Records and and it seemed like everything was going to be just amazing. And then um, after some time, he was dropped from two record labels. And by the time we met, you know, he would have been just not not flying high. You know, he was he was still going after his dreams, but he had experienced a lot, a lot of heartache. Death of his uh, dreams. Yeah, the death of his dreams. Yeah, yeah. Or at least just a massive amounts of reality check and and heartache and you know so he started working for costco putting produce in you know the containers and all of that stuff and he would go in at like 3 45 in the morning he'd work from 4 to like 11 and then he would go right so he was still trying to take care of the family and provide for the family while also chasing his dreams and and we kind of had a front row seat during that whole time yeah, that's an American story right there. Hey, so why why was Walker an atheist? Why did he decide to not believe in God? He just got really hurt, I think, by a lot of things within the church. He had, mm. he had seen, um, his dad served as a music minister and was relieved of that position at one point. And, and you know, he kind of saw the inner workings of what was going on in the church. And he had, he had a good friend 
that was an atheist as well. And he was, you know, he had his ear. And so at, at some point, you know, Walker just was really disillusioned by what was going on, you know, behind the scenes and in the church and everything. And then just said, yeah, I don't know that I believe this anymore. And then ended up saying, yeah, I, I, I don't believe. And so, yeah, by the time we met, that's kind of where he was. Lainey, his wife, was a, was a believer, loved the Lord. And, and Walker would say the only thing they would fight about was, you know, Jesus and drinking, you know. <laughs> and, but he, just how they were going to teach the kids and everything, they weren't on the same page on that. You know, Lainey would be sharing Christ and he'd be like, hang on a minute. No, you know. And so that's where they were when yeah. we met. Craig, when did you first meet Walker Hayes in Nashville? Yeah, it's, it actually was interesting. It was a Saturday night. So we okay. moved to help plant a church. And, you know, when you plant a church, you take the any open location. And we were renting a facility on Saturday nights out in the boonies in the south of Franklin. And our wives actually had met previously through a neighborhood gathering and then they recognized each other across the room when we were at a basketball game for our respective kids on that Saturday morning. And they they started talking. Walker would have been holding Loxley at the time, his his youngest. Lara basically invited Lainey to come to church that night. And, you know, Lainey got excited about the invitation and a Saturday night. It just worked well for their schedule. Walker says he came kicking and screaming. Uh, he came really to support Laney. You know, sometimes, Perry, when people say, yeah, we'll come, you don't know if they're going to show up or not. But they showed up. And so when they walked in the doors of Redeeming Grace that evening, you know, I lit up. And Walker says the first words that were out of my mouth for him were, glad you're here, which is the title of our book. And, mm -hmm. you know, but... He felt the welcome and the embrace, and that's just the Lord, and I'm so grateful for that. And then it just sparked a fast friendship. We did dinner together that night, and then we, we just didn't stop. We just started going back and forth each other's homes and sporting events and everything. It just built a really strong friendship. That's beautiful. And, you know, you're doing life together, it sounds like. You know, just being a regular guy and just loving on him and... You're just building a friendship, and I'm sure that just naturally you start talking about your faith, and he starts opening up to that. Tell, tell me that part. Well, we actually spent so much time together that we really got to the point where we just knew what was going on in each other's lives in and, 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 you know, every different way, and so they gave us a dog. They had two dogs. They were sister dogs, Labradoodles. One of them named Tulip. One of them named Noli. And their family didn't like Tulip. <laughs> no, I mean, like, really didn't like Tulip. They loved Noli, and they were trying to find another home for Tulip. And you know, my my daughter, eleven years old at the time, Karis, was praying for a dog, and and 
you know, we're sitting at the dinner table with Walker and Laney and they're sharing about how they want to get rid of Tulip and they go through this whole list. Like, you know, she's hypoallergenic. We give her away for free. She's crate trained. We'd watch her whenever you guys are out of town, all this kind of stuff. And it hit everything that I had encouraged Karis to pray for. So they ended up giving us the dog and that kind of cemented our friendship. We went back and forth. Anytime they would travel, they'd drop their dog off. Anytime we would travel, we'd drop our dog off. And then it would go into dinners and meetings and, and, you know, gatherings, all that kind of stuff. And they would come to church and then we would celebrate, you know, birthdays together and everything. So just naturally we, we talked about everything uh, Walker and I would sit and run the scoreboard at my son's baseball game and we just naturally shared life. And so, yeah, it became clear kind of where he stood. You know, he would say things like y'all's church or what you would believe not embraced, you know, on his own. And we had the opportunity to walk with them closely. And, you know, as they lost their, their daughter, Oakley, and, you know, through the course of that whole time, we were up close and personal in their grief. We were able to share in that with them and, and the Lord, you know, drew them. So take us to the moment when Walker opened up his heart to Jesus. Oh, that's one of my favorite days of my entire life. They had reached out to us. He had been on the road you know, touring. And they said they had something they wanted to share with us. And could we get together for, you know, dinner? Our favorite sushi restaurant is a place called Miso in Franklin. And we were accustomed, Perry, to getting together with all of our families in tow. And so this was a little unique, you know, it's just going to be the couples. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know what they were going to share. And I didn't know what, you know, Walker was going to share. I thought something about the tour or anything like that. Well, you know, sushi's delivered. We're, we're having a great time talking. And then finally he said, you know, Hey, so what I wanted to share with you and I'm listening intently. And he just said, I believe. Mm. And, And I said, you believe, wow, you believe what do you mean? What do you believe? He said, I, I believe all of it. And I put my chopsticks down and I was like, Walker, are you telling me you believe that Jesus is the son of God and that you want to live your life for him? And he said, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I, I just lost it, you know, started crying, got up, gave him the hugest hug, wow. squeezed the life out of him, <laughs> sat back down and I, I said, hey, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to need a minute. And I went back into the restroom, locked the door, fell on my knees, worshipped, and just thanked God for saving my friend. And came back out. And then we just, after dinner, we walked around. We talked about everything. Just his dream moving here, our dream, you know, every, just everything we had, we had experienced together and their loss of Oakley and we just, oh, and looking in his eyes, I'm like that, the eyes of a new believer. It's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing. I mean, it was just the most beautiful thing. I was one of the best nights of my entire life. I'm having a moment right now, bro. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. It's incredible. 
Yeah, so, now he's got scriptures all over his walls. I mean, like you walk in his house and anybody who follows him on Instagram or anything like that, just look in the background. And I mean, he, the dude is a genuine disciple. Jesus loves the Lord with all of his heart. He inspires me every day. And, you know, he's just lit on fire and he shares his testimony every time before he sings you know, the song Craig in his concerts, we just heard it this past week and, and he'll, he'll share about Christ and it's just amazing. Okay. You got this big time country music artist. He writes a song about you. Oh boy. So the song Craig, there are two versions of it. One was in 2017, and that's the you know the original version I received. And then 2022 on his album Country Stuff, the album, and that that one is now with Mercy Me and Bart Millard, who you know sang I Can Only Imagine. Yep. Bart wanted to recut that with Walker because he said, "Hey, I don't think enough people have heard the song." It's just remarkable, but. The two versions, one was very contemplative, you know, and it's basically him kind of wrestling with our friendship, our relationship, the fact that we gave him, you know, a van in secret in time of need and what that kind of spoke to him and sparking really curiosity about, well, maybe this dude really does know Jesus. And so he was not a believer when he wrote that. Now, in 2022, he's a believer when he recut it. And so the first one's very contemplative. The second was very celebratory. And it and it's amazing. But yeah, Perry, when he sent that to us, I was in a season where I, you know, we were five years into the church plant. And I was wondering, is my life making any difference? You oh know, gosh. is any of this, you oh. know, fruitful at all? And I had I had taken a walk and I had poured my heart out to God that that day and said, Lord, you know, I try to encourage other people. I I need you to please encourage me. Is my life making any difference to anybody around me? And that night I was sharing with my wife, Laura, just how discouraged I was when her phone buzzed and it was a text from Lainey and it had an MP3 with the song Craig on it. And we were accustomed to getting songs from Walker, you know, cause we just loved everything he wrote, but not accustomed to an MP3 with my name on it. And Laura said, I think we should play this. I kind of, pushed back and no, I'll do that later. And she said, I think it would help. And, and she played it through the stereo speakers. And that's when I first heard I met Craig at a church called Redeeming Grace. It, it, oh, I was stunned and speechless and melted into a puddle of tears. And I felt the <laughs> Lord singing over me. Oh, like man. he says in Zephaniah, yep. you know, the Lord, your God is in your midst, a mighty one who'll save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you with his love. He, he'll exult over you with loud singing. That's what I felt when I first heard. I felt like God himself was singing over me through my unbelieving atheistic friend. You know, I mean, talk about like throwing your head for a, a spin. That's what happened to me when I first heard it. And ever since then, I'm so emotional anytime I, anytime I hear it. And I'm blown away by what God has done in saving Walker so that he now sings it with faith and joy. And that is a gemstone of a story. I, I've heard lots of stories. That's right up there. 
<laughs> well, it's the Lord, and it is. Yeah, it's amazing. Of course. Yeah, I feel like a spectator, and so does Walker. We step back and we're like, "Wow, yeah, look what God, yeah, has done, and only God could do that." Yep. You guys are next door neighbors. You ripped the fence down between your houses. What's up with that? Oh, that was, you know, it's funny. It was, that was more practical when we first did it. But we look back now and see massive amounts of significance. They moved in next door to us right as COVID hit. So the timing of it was just impeccable. For, we, we ended up quarantining together as families. So we just go back and forth meals, our house meals at their house, everything. And the kids were just, it's basically both homes were wide open. And so the kids were hopping the fence, you know, and Walker and I are sitting out on his back deck with a cup of coffee and he goes, Hey dude, let's surprise the girls and just rip out the section of that fence. And I was like, man, that's awesome. So we just jumped up and went right over there and immediately did the deed. I mean, we, we yanked it, we yanked it that thing. We thought it was going to be easy. It took us about, you know, 30 to 40 minutes and we, we got a section of the fence ripped out so that a pathway was created between our two backyards and our two back decks. And then afterwards we were reflecting on that. And we're like, man, that is exactly what God has done in our lives. He's just ripped out the barriers, you know, of any separation, you know, between us and God and then us and each other. And you talk about reconciliation, you talk about community, you talk about friendship and, and it is just a beautiful picture of what, the gospel has done in our lives. And so, yeah, we ripped the fence out between our two backyards. There's somebody listening right now. They just, they need to be encouraged to be a friend to that unlikely person, that person they think will never cross the line to follow Mm -hmm. Jesus and just encourage them. Uh, It's no accident that you're listening. God has something he wants to say to you. And that is he's put you right where he wants you. It's no accident the neighborhood you're in, the place that you work, the coffee shops that you frequent, the individuals in your sphere, and they are loved by God in heaven. Mm -hmm. And he hears your prayers and he wants to work in you and through you to share his love with those individuals in your sphere individuals that that Perry and I are not going to reach because they're they're not in our sphere they're in your sphere the individuals that Walker's not going to reach because they're not in his sphere they're in your sphere they God has placed those people in your path and the reason he did that is because he loves them and he wants to use you and I know you feel weak and I know you feel like I don't have the giftings or the ability or the words and that's what makes you perfect because in your weakness, he is strong. And when God works through your weakness, it shows the whole world that he is glorious, that he is gracious, that he is good. And so I just want to encourage you, you know, open your arms a little bit wider. I love that. Rosaria Butterfield says that. And just love on people in your sphere and meet them where they are and invite them into your home. And God himself 
will work through you in ways that will even blow you away. And you'll step back and go, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) But he will use you. He's eager to use you. And you're the perfect candidate because you feel weak. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.